Well, kia ora everyone and welcome and uh, especially to those who are watching online wherever you are in the world. It's so great to have you as a part of our Connect Church family. Before I move on, I just want to take a moment. As you know, we've been away in the US for a couple of weeks. I want to thank the incredible staff and volunteers of this church. Who, I can go away and Anita can go away and, and no stress, just knowing that stuff is happening. Can we thank all those people who make this happen in and out every week? Many of you... I know that's you. We're in Texas with, with uh, uh, first of all, Victoria, Texas, flew into Houston with Pastor Jim and Tamara Graff, and just a great, they're in a town the size of Rotorua, but they have a church of thousands, and it was such an uh, honor to be able to preach there, all their three services, and just to, uh, uh, they, they're encouraged. Some of them said, when are you coming back next year, Pastor? I just can't wait to see you. I was like, Lord bless you, hallelujah. So that was just great. We had such fun there, and then we went to Birmingham, Alabama, sweet home Alabama, and that's where we went, we went there and, and, and just uh, joined with 4,300 other pastors and leaders from around the world. That The Church of the Highlands, which is the second biggest church in the United States, 40,000 attendants on a Sunday. And so just, just learning how to do uh, church better. Because how many know we could all do things a little bit better? Can I hear an amen? I mean, it's just, just learning and helping expand some uh, uh, stuff. And uh, thinking of doing things better. Hey, our, uh, remember a few weeks ago, our Connect Church building in India fell down. <laughs> we got to build better buildings. Come on, somebody. So it, it fell down. The monsoon rain, you've seen it on the news. It's collapsed. And, and uh, we've got a photo of them uh, just pulling it apart. It's, it was made of bamboo and tin. But I don't know how that... Uh, yeah, there it is. They're pulling it apart there. It's just it's collapsed down. And, and so they've got to build a bit, better building. I've been in constant contact with Pastor Prem. Uh, they're one of the first things I told them to do. You know, we bought a car for them a couple of uh, years ago. I said, sell the car and start building the uh, building. And who needs permissions like you do in New Zealand, right? Come on. So they've got onto that. You can go to the next photo. They've started building. This is just in three weeks. No more bamboo, steel, concrete, bricks, and all that type of thing. And this is what it looked like on Thursday. Come on, somebody. They've, they've got that done. So we want to be able to, to help them. And so we're going to give an opportunity. They've raised a lot of that money themselves. So we, are, we are going to have an opportunity in a few weeks' time to sow into that. Don't wait if you want to give now. Uh, rush out of the foyer, $5 million, no problem, whatever it is. About that. Uh, just, just if you're looking for a thing to give to, this would be something we can invest in. Be part of our church family for 20 uh, years. So we want to do something that. So if I'm just asking to prepare your heart as we get ready to help them out. So I started a series a while back called Teach These Things. And we're doing part six today. This is part six. And, and we've been looking at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And we're going to continue on that because there's a lot to be squeezed out. And we're going to start by staying in uh, verse 12 that says, We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. And as I've talked about this, I said this passage tells me three things. It tells me, number one, it's an evil world. It tells me, number two, that we should live in it, because the Bible says you are the light of the world. We should live, we should be in it and not of it. And then it tells us, number three, how to live in it. And it says we should live in this evil world. Here's how, with wisdom, righteousness and devotion to God. And we, we looked at wisdom, then the last couple of times we looked at righteousness and we will continue in that today. I love that Cornerstone song because it talks about the, 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 the thing of standing in His righteousness, which we are talking uh, about today and devotion 
to God. And so, so I, I want to recap. And so turn to the person next to you and say, hold on tight, because we're going to go real fast uh, uh, through this. So I'm just going to recap because it's been a few weeks. So number one, we looked at what is righteousness on that first week. And we just saw that this, it's this, a man or a woman in right standing with God. That is what righteousness in its simple form is. And Jesus said, that's a good thing to desire. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I'm asking you today, are you hungry? The second thing is, why do we need righteousness? Why do we need righteousness? Well, Jesus said, Matthew 5, 24, I say to you, unless your righteousness shall exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus said right there in that scripture, you can't enter heaven without righteousness. And that means Houston, we have a problem. And I tell you, I had so much fun saying that in Texas. I want to just tell you, I was like, I've got to fit that in my message somehow. Houston, they're like, oh, oh, oh. yeah, they, they, they loved it in Texas. But, but the fact is, Romans 3.10 tells us there is no one righteous, not even one. So what do we do then? If, if none of us are righteous, how can we enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus answered it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Everybody say His. Not yours, His. His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's God's righteousness we must seek. So where's it found? Number three, it's found in the gospel. Where do I find this righteousness? In the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And what is the gospel? The gospel is simply this. It's the message of the cross. It's the message of what Christ has done for us. It is what Christ has accomplished on the cross. Well, Pastor, what has He accomplished? Well, it says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For He, meaning God, has made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for you. Oh, somebody say that's good news. Come on. To be sin for us that we might become. Become what? The righteousness of God in Him. So how do I get it? How do I get this? Number four, how do I get this righteousness? How do I receive it? Well, we firstly, we've got to understand it's a free gift. How many love free stuff? About three, the rest of you are liars. Come on, we love free stuff. It's, it's, it's free stuff. It's a free gift. It says this, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. And remember we said it's free, but not cheap. A price was paid. The cost was the cross. How do I receive this gift? Well, by faith. Romans tells us, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone. Everybody say everyone. It's for everyone. If you don't believe it today, it's for you. It's for everyone who believes. So you've got to ask the question, do I believe? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith as it is written, the just or justified shall live by faith. If you're justified, it's just as if you've never sinned. And we saw the example of uh, Abraham and we saw that, and we can get a picture of this for our own lives. Romans chapter 4 verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. What did Abraham do to deserve it? Nothing. He just believed God. And it goes on to say this, and uh, in the New Living Translation, I've put this version. I, I, I love it. It's so powerful. Romans chapter 4, verse 23. This is new today. And when God counted him, speaking of Abraham, and when God counted him as righteous, listen, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded, but for our benefit too. Friend, I want to tell you this righteousness of, uh, that comes from God. It was not just for Abraham. It is for your benefit too. 
assuring us, if you're here today and you're going, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if God even cares about me. I want to I assure you today. I want to assure you, assuring us that God will also count us. That God will also count you, sir, you, madam. That God will also count us as righteous if we believe and receive that which God has spoken. That, that, that's, the, that's the key here. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us, listen, to make us what? Right with God. And if you have right standing with God, what are you? Righteous. Oh, come on, say it one more time. Some of you are not convinced. Some of you, some of you, because you, you, you're stressed out about what you did last night or you're thinking about how I mucked up this week. Friends, I want to tell you, if you ever right standing with God, what are you? Righteous. You're righteous. You can stand in that. And friend, oh man, how I wish we could do that. Remember, righteousness is being in right standing with God. And this is what Christ has made available for us. So number five, last thing that we're going to do today, is, and then we're ending this righteousness session. Number five, so what does this mean for me? What, how does this righteous, in other words, how does this make a difference in my life? How does it help me live in this evil world? Well, for me personally, this, this teaching, when I've understood it over the years, I, I never understood this for many years as a Christian. I was just an old sinner saved by grace, trying to get through, trying to get by. I'm just a worm and a scumbag. But when I understood, I, and some of you were thinking like that, come on. Uh, it's the truth. Some of you are thinking, oh God, God couldn't care about a person like me. God doesn't love a person like me. He, he couldn't use a person like me. Some of you would be thinking that. But I want to tell you, when I understood this, when I understood this is not about my righteousness, it's not about my goodness. When I understood it, it changed everything. It changed my life and it can change yours today. When you get this, when you, when you understand that your and my Right standing before God comes not from, from what you or we do. When you understand it is based on what Christ has done. He's the corner, cornerstone. He's the one who's made on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking stand. Come on. Oh, come on. I need to hear an amen. Somebody should say amen there. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's what the Bible speaks. That's what it, what it said. When you get this, when you understand that your right standing, your righteousness before God comes not from what you and we do, but is based on what Christ has, cha- has done, it changes the ball game. It absolutely does. When you realize that you can seek, find and receive and then walk in His righteousness and not your own, not your own, everything changes. You might be hearing going, well, we don't deserve it. And that's right, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. This is why grace is so powerful. Grace, what is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favour. We don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. God has given it to us. It's a gift to us. It's, it's unmerited favour. And the, the Apostle Paul got this and put it so brilliantly in Philippians chapter 3 which in the NIV, it's, it's subtitled, No Confidence in the Flesh. No Confidence in the Flesh, which basically means no confidence in my own righteousness. No confidence in my own goodness. Because, I mean, he was someone who did have reason to put confidence in who he was. I mean, he was a Pharisee. He was one of those holier-than-thou type of people. He was one of those people who, who, who knew the law. But he said, I'm placing no confidence 
and my own righteousness and my own skill and my own ability. Listen to what he says, Philippians 3, verses 4 through 9. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If you, he says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm better than you. He's like, I, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider every Everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them garbage. Another version says dung. Dung, I consider that dung, all my skills, all my abilities, all the things that I can do, all the things that I would normally use to prove my own righteousness, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. And this is where most people stop. They go, oh, yes, Lord, I just want to gain Christ. But that's not the best bit. The best bit is, is verse 9, and then it goes on to say, and be found in Him. Everybody say in Him. Oh, outside of Him, dirty dog sinner. But in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? One more time. Come on, say, where does it come from? Not from you. Not from your acts. Not from how good you are. Not from how, because you helped the old lady. Your righteousness, please understand this. Because this could set you free today. Please understand your righteousness and my righteousness to be able to stand before God cannot come from what you and I do. It comes from what Christ has done. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, Paul understood, and I hope you are, you are understanding as well, that righteousness is not the way to Christ, but Christ is the way to righteousness. Good preaching, Adam. Thank you very much. So how does this help me live today? How does this help me live in this evil world? Well, first of all, it allows me to pray different for a start. Number one, allows me to pray different. Doesn't allow me to pray, oh Lord, I don't know. I mucked up yesterday, so you're probably not going to listen to this one. Oh, can you hear? Yeah, just touch the air. Friends, listen to what it says. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. When you understand that you are standing not in your authority, not in your righteousness, come on somebody, when you understand that you're standing in His authority, when you pray, when you get up there and you shakabunda and uh, in the name of Jesus, when you do that, you, you've got to understand who's that. It's not you trying to hype things up and, hey, listen to how loud I am, God. No, you've got to understand you are standing in His authority. You're understanding it's not your that prayer. And when you understand that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, you can say, well, I am righteous in Him outside of him, dirty dog sinner, but in him, come on somebody, I am the righteousness of God. And so when I pray, when I stand not in my own authority, but in God's authority, heaven hears. Don't pray in your own authority. You don't have any. Come on. (laughs) Don't pray in your own authority. Pray in his. Don't stand in your own righteousness. Stand in his. See, too many of us pray guilty. Lord, if you're probably going to hear me. 
Friend, I want to tell you, he is your righteousness. Pray with and in his power and authority. Didn't the person next to you and say, I think that was for you. Uh, I think it was. The second reason, here's the second reason. Here's the second reason this righteousness can help you do life today is it enables you to live a free, full life. Number two, it enables you to live a free, full life. It says this, listen, in John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, now you've got to get this. We say this, oh, the Son sets you free, we're free indeed. Now, it really is true. If the Son sets you free, it's not just a nice saying. Oh, that was nice. So if the Son sets you free, you will not, maybe not, might be, you will be free indeed. Why? Because it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on Him. It's what He has made available. Now, again, it's not free to do whatever you want. If you go, well, I'm just free. Yeah, woohoo! I can just do whatever I want and ask God to forgive me and He sorts it all out. No, no, that's not how it works, mate. No way. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. It's not free to do whatever you want. It's free to serve Him. It's free to be able to go, you know what? I can really, with a whole clean heart, serve God with all of me. Oh, yeah, I muck up. Oh, yeah, I make mistakes. But because of what Christ has done, I can give Him everything. I can live free. Why? Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Not might be, not will be. You have to receive that which Christ has done for you. Well, I don't feel free. <laughs> this is what it sounds like when I hear that guy. So says, I don't feel free. Well, if you want feelings, go to Nike. Come on. I mean, if it feels good or don't feel good, don't know. We, we are not meant to live. I said this last night. We're not meant to live by feelings. We're meant to live by faith. Come on, somebody. Faith in what was achieved on the cross of Calvary. You know, it's just, why well, I don't feel it today. That doesn't matter. This is, this is not, well, I mucked up yesterday. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. This is about faith in what He has done. This is not about looking at what you have done. Come on, somebody. Oh, Hallelujah. See, it's about faith. It's about faith. Listen, understand, this is not about your condition. Oh, I'm in a, such a bad condition. I've mucked it up. This is not about your condition. This is, oh, come on. Some, this is about your position in Christ. Come on, sorry. This is about who, this is not about who you are. This is about whose you are. Come on, somebody. You don't understand the freedom that's been given in Christ. Hallelujah. It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. So I meet many Christians and I explain to people why they're not righteous. Oh man, I mucked up yesterday. Not really feeling that right with God. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, got to pray more, got to do this more. And they explain to people why they're not the righteousness of God. And they, yeah, yeah, man. Friends, I'm going to tell you, that's your condition. That is not, that is not your position in Christ. That's your condition. That's, that's your condition. It is not your position in Christ. See, you, you've got to understand, instead of saying, oh, I mucked up, you said, I feel far away, and I feel and I feel like this. Listen, when the explanation of Scripture is, you're righteous as long as you believe and exercise your right to be righteous. Come on. You mean we have rights here? What are our rights? First John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, everybody say all, all, all unrighteousness. Can I ask you a question? If you've been cleansed of all unrighteousness, what are you? 
Okay, it's not a trick question. What are you? One more time. What are you? Oh my God, I pray we would live in this. Because some of us are still walking around. I don't know if God loves me. No, no, no. You need to. That's your condition. Understand your condition. But that is not your position in Him. You have to live out of the position in Him. Oh, I don't feel like it sometimes. But again, it doesn't matter about what I've done. It's about what He's done. Come on, somebody. We need to start walking in it. The third reason that this can help you do life into this evil world that we live in today and do life well is it enables you to understand that you're qualified for ministry. Number three, that you're qualified for ministry. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got a job. You are qualified. And I've got to say, because many people think I'm not qualified. Oh no, God can't use me yet. God can use a donkey. Come on, somebody. He, I mean, he does it. He, <laughs> that means he can use me. He can use any of us. I mean, if God can do that, we've got to understand we have the job. We've got to understand because of what Christ has done, you and I are qualified for ministry. One of my favorite sayings in the uh, quotes or whatever is simply this. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. In other words, he doesn't call you and say, well, sort yourself out and get yourself and get it all together and then you can cut. No, 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 no. He doesn't do that. First, he calls you. He calls you. You've got to understand. He doesn't call and he doesn't say, he doesn't call you because you're smart and because you're, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to tell you. He doesn't call. He actually says the Bible, he chooses the foolish things of the way. Yeah. Amen. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. He chooses the foolish things of the world. And, and, and we've got to understand. And then he goes, why? Why? So, so that we can't say we did it. Go on. Go on. Oh, I'm having fun right here. So we, we can't say we did it. We can only say he did it because I'm just like. I spit all over myself. So um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the court. But listen, my friend, listen. If you stay or you decide to live in your shame and in your guilt, and say, oh, wow, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know if I have a right to be righteous. I'm not worthy. I don't qualify. Start asking yourself this question. Who established that? Who, 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 who decided that? Well, you did. You, you did. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're actually, you're making up your own terms and conditions instead of accepting God's. Come on. Instead of accepting what God has said, you're making up your own. Well, no, I don't think. I know your word says this, but I don't feel and I don't think. And I, who, who, who's deciding? Oh, I don't know if I'm right. No, no. Who decided that? You are. Rather than accepting what, what God has made available, rather than accepting His terms and conditions, we start making up our own, trying to establish our own righteousness. See, the truth of Scripture is Scripture is in our own righteousness, we can't qualify. That's why we need Jesus. And people, all the time, they, they, they feel like they don't live up, so they give up. Because they feel like they don't qualify. We can never qualify in our own righteousness. We need to trust Him. Come on, somebody. His righteousness. He is our qualifier. He's your qualifier. 
He's your justifier. He's, he's justified you. And justified, as I said, means just as if you'd never sinned. He qualifies you. Well, how do you even know that, Pastor? Because the Bible says so. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Who, has, who qualified us? God did. We couldn't do it. I mean, you can try and do it, but it's a losing battle. He qualifies us. He qualifies us to be partakers. Listen, oh man, we don't even deserve this. To be partakers, not just qualified, to be partakers of the inheritance, of that inheritance, meaning that all Christ is, all that God has done. We, we can be partakers. Oh, this is good preaching right here. We can be partakers of that which God has made available. Partakers of the inheritance, listen, of the saints. Oh, I don't deserve it. No, we don't. Unmerited favour. Oh, I fall short so many times. That's right, but it's unmerited favour. It's, it's not, we are not qualifying ourselves. He has qualified us. We don't and we can't qualify ourselves. He is the one who does it. And so listen then, my friend, if your condition, guilt, or shame becomes the thing that determines whether you have right standing with God, you're stuffed. Just to put it bluntly. If your condition, if your guilt, if your shame or lack of it becomes the thing that determines whether you have right standing with God, we're all stuffed. Because no one can say, we've already established it. No one can say they are righteous. The reality is, and here's the truth of, uh, of life as we live it, sometimes your condition contradicts your position. It's just how it is. Sometimes your condition contradicts your position. But it's not about what you did. It's about what God has done. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. So that means what? It means stop saying that God can't use me. Stop saying that God could never use me because I'm this or because I'm that or because I mucked up here or I mucked up that. That is not what we should be doing. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. God does it. You and I can't. And so what I'm asking you today, would you please accept His terms and conditions? And surrender your own. You know, when you miss the mark, and it happens to all of us, to me, reasonably regularly. What do we do? I'll tell you, many of us wallow in our condition. I don't know if I can go to church this week because I don't feel right. I've got to get myself right. What, what do you... You need to get to church so you can get. Come on, somebody. And of course, what happens? The devil's right there, right? He's always sitting on the shoulder. Why? Because he's the accuser of the brethren. And when you're saying, oh man, I don't feel there. And the devil's there. Yeah, I know what you did last summer. The devil always comes in those moments. Look at your failure. You're stuffed out. When he says that, you know, look at what you've done. Look at in those moments when he's accusing and reminding you of your falling short. That's the time that you should reaffirm not your present condition, my friend, but your position in Him and declare that I am the righteousness of God in Him. 
for my righteousness. I'm not standing in my own devil. I'm not standing in my own righteousness. I'm standing in His righteousness. When the devil says to you, oh, look at what you've done. You said, no, I'm looking at God's Son, somebody. Come on, I'm looking at what He has accomplished on the cross of Calvary. I'm, I'm thanking Him for what He has achieved. See, the Bible says this. In Him you're complete. That means you're lacking nothing. Colossians 2 verse 9 says, For in Him, everybody say in Him, in Christ, for in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, everything that God is. And you are complete in Him. You are complete in Him. In Acts chapter 17 verse 28, it says, For in Him we live and move have our being. In Colossians 3.3 it says, For you died and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. The Old Testament when they brought the lamb to be sacrificed, the priest did not look at the one who was bringing the sacrifice. The priest's job was to look at the lamb and to check that the lamb did not have any spot or have any blemish. And only then could He give the sacrifice. Can I tell you, my friend, He didn't look at the person bringing the sacrifice. He looked at the sacrifice itself. Can I tell you, John the Baptist said, Behold, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the perfect sacrifice. God looks at Him and our lives are hidden. Our mess is hidden. He paid the price so you and I didn't have to. Can somebody thank Jesus in this place? And that's why Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Him today? Are you, have you put your lives in Him today? That's why Paul could say in Romans 8, verse 38, just a little while longer, he said, For I am convinced. I'm convinced of this. Nothing can change my mind about this. And some of you need to be convinced of this today. When you understand, because you've been trying to walk it in your own righteousness. You've been trying to do it in your own strength. Be convinced of this today. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, neither any stupid, dumb, silly things we have done or are doing, and we'll do, I've added that in myself, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul was counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. We are not saved by our giving, but His giving. We are not saved by our doing, but by His doing. And so I pray that you would not only believe it, but that you would receive this truth today deep in your heart. So you'd pray different, live free, and realize that He's qualified you to serve, to make a difference, 
Stop going, oh, I don't know if He can use you. He's qualified you. Tap your neighbor and say, this is for you. You are qualified to live this life in the power and strength of what He has accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Would you stand for a moment, everybody, in this place? With every head bowed and every eye closed, Today, if you're in this place and you've been walking in your own strength, you've been trying to do it in your own power, you've been trying to, you've been living and praying guilty, you've been just, you've not been trusting, you've been making up your own terms and conditions. And today you're saying, man, I need to get right with God. Today I'm going to trust Him for my salvation. Today I'm going to trust Him for my walk and for my faith. I'm going to trust Him. I believe, I believe that which has been said and I want to receive that He who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I want to receive that truth into my life today. Maybe you've just come to church for the first time and you're here and you know you need to get right with God in this moment. In this moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you know, just in your heart, you can feel now, I need to respond because I've been walk, walking in a way that, 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 that is just, just not trusting in that which Christ has done. And today I'm saying, I want to trust you, God, for all that you have accomplished on the cross of, the, cross of Calvary. If that's you today, and you know you need to get right in this moment, Wherever you're sitting, wherever you are, just put your hand up and say, that's me. I'm going to pray a prayer. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. All over the place. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on. You know you should be putting your hand up. You, 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 as, even as we're praying, slip those hands down. Those, and you, if you're here and you know you should have put your hand up, come on. Just say now, you know you need to get right with Him. Come on. Anyone else here today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're going to pray this together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today as sinner in need of a Saviour. I thank You today that I don't have to trust in my own righteousness. But today, I trust in what You've accomplished on the cross of Calvary. And I walk in Your righteousness. I'm hungry for it. I'm thirsty for it. Help me to trust in what You have done, not in what I have done. This I ask in Jesus' name.